We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. My most recent book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good, is a book of 20 chapters of advice on how to act like an adult in an increasingly infantilized world. So why do I include a chapter titled Wish Everyone a Merry Christmas? I'll answer this question on today's Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to today's edition of The Rebellion. As I said in the introduction, I'd like to discuss the topic of Christmas again today. Now, if you've been listening over the course of the last couple weeks, you know that I have dealt with this theme repeatedly. I talked about the beginning of the Advent season and what the word Advent means. It means the coming. The coming of what? Well, during Advent season, we celebrate the coming of the babe born in a manger of Emmanuel, God with us, of the birth of Jesus Christ, the second person of the triune God, of the incarnation of God among us, of joy to the world, the Lord has come. We celebrate peace on earth, goodwill toward men. This is the Advent season, the coming of hope, the coming of peace, the coming of salvation, the coming of Christ. You also know that I discussed the etymology, the origin and the structure of the word Christmas and holiday. Holiday first, I said that the secularists among us want to purge the Christmas season of any religious significance. Therefore, they tell us not to say Merry Christmas because that's too religious, that's too Christian. So they tell us to say Happy Holiday instead And as you know, I criticized that. I critiqued that and said, these people don't even understand that the word holiday is a religious word too, because its etymology is, it comes from two words, the combination of two words. And what are they? Holy and day. Holy is obviously a religious word. And I covered the reasons for that and told you why. I argued even that day is a religious word because it references our awareness of time. And then unless you're a human being, you don't even care about that. Horses don't debate what time it is. My dogs don't sit around and talk about time. You and I understand past, present, and future because we're made in the image of God, the Omago Day, And we understand that even the reference to the days, past, present, and future, is a reference to our religious understanding of who we are. I talked about Christmas, the etymology of that word, that it's Christ's Mass, Christ's meeting, Christ's service, Christ's gathering, Christmas. It's a time to worship, to get together, to gather, to focus upon 
It's a time to go to church, a service that focuses on Christ, Christ's Mass. Well, I want to talk about Christmas a little bit more today, and I want to share with you why I think it's important to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and how these naysayers that want to challenge us and say, oh, don't say Merry Christmas because not everyone, not everyone is a Christian. Not everyone celebrates Christmas. I'm going to go back a few years and actually share with you a story that took place in LaGuardia Airport, oh, a handful of years ago. Uh, So it's not that old of a story, but it's so, so good in terms of making the point here. So why did I include, excuse me, let me say that one more time. Why did I include a chapter in my book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good? Why did I include a chapter, an entire chapter of this book titled, Wish Everyone a Merry Christmas? I'm going to explain that to you after the break. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I will be right back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to The Rebellion. So why did I include a chapter titled, Wish Everyone a Merry Christmas, in my book titled, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good, a book that is not a Christmas book, a book that is intended to be nothing more and nothing less than 20 chapters, 20 bits of advice on the importance of thinking and acting like an adult, as opposed to being too easily satisfied with immaturity and thinking and acting like a child or an adolescent. I'm obviously confronting the perpetual childishness and self-centeredness of our culture, the snowflake culture, the you-offended-me culture, the culture that wants to be safe rather than good, the culture that's narcissistic. This is a book that confronts all of that and suggests there's a better way. There's an adult way rather than the adolescent way. That living and thinking like a 35-year-old, a 40-year-old, a 55-year-old, the wisdom that comes with age... Living that way is better than being, oh, stuck in adolescence and never growing up. So why did I include a chapter in this book titled, Wish Everyone a Merry Christmas? Well, I'm going to tell you why. The context of it can uh, maybe be best explained. There are other ways to explain it. But let me go back a handful of years to 2015, excuse me. Let's go back to 2015. There was a story. This is a real story. It, w- it hit the news back then. Uh, there was a passenger getting ready to get on an airplane at New York's LaGuardia Airport. And as the passenger was waiting at the gate, the gate agent began telling everybody to line up to get on the plane like you, you're, you're, you're always um, accustomed to hearing. But because it was the Christmas season, it was in December, actually. December 23rd is when this actually took place. It was the Christmas season, and the gate agent was wishing everybody a Merry Christmas. Well, there's a woman preparing to get on and board the plane, and she shouted back, you shouldn't say that because not everyone celebrates Christmas. That's her quote. 
don't say Merry Christmas. Well, the agent replied and said, well, what should I say then? <laughs> anyway, the woman proceeds. She gets on the plane. She takes her seat. And then another <laughs> another American Airlines employee apparently came by and greeted the woman, not knowing what just took place, or at least I assume she didn't know what just took place. And the flight attendant came by and said, Merry Christmas. <laughs> well, apparently that was the last straw for our Mrs. Scrooge here. Um, she, she snapped back again. She said, don't say Merry Christmas. And um, <laughs> apparently some people tried to calm this attendant, not the attendant, tried to calm the passenger down. Uh, but it didn't work, and they finally had to escort the person off the plane. While I, as the story goes, I understand the entire plane burst into cheers and applause. I mean, it was ridiculous. Again, selfish, childish. I don't like what you're saying. You shouldn't say that around me. Where did we ever forget the lesson of sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? Uh, I guess we... Toss that one into the ash heap of history long ago. Well, I, I, my first reaction is um, to ask a question. Um, here's my question. What would the world look like today if it weren't for Christmas? If we stopped saying Merry Christmas, if Christmas had never happened, in other words, if there was no reason to say Merry Christmas because the entire event never took place. Um, Thomas Cahill said this years ago, what would, it, uh, what would it be like if the ideas and acts of Christmas had not been hurled across the centuries and around the world some 2,000 years ago? You ever ask yourself that question? I mean, whether you're a believer in the theology of Christmas or simply an open-minded, honest historian, armchair or professional, though you may be, I would argue you'd have to confess that the impact, the impact of Silent Night, Holy Night, and the sociology and the cosmology of that idea is huge. I mean, the fact of the matter is that the story of the birth of Christ has dramatically changed humanity's understanding of life and the way we live. I mean, from Saul of Tarsus to the Emperor Constantine to Wesley and Wilberforce and Whitfield to Chesterton and Lewis and hundreds of millions of other lives. Billions of lives have been turned from deception and debauchery to compassion and love because of the story of Christmas. Christ's Mass. Let's just go through history. History tells us that the Greek and Roman cultures stopped practicing exposure. That was what they called it. It was otherwise the practice of infanticide, of child abandonment. They would take the babies that they didn't want and leave them in the garbage dump, alive, to die of exposure. Why did that practice stop? Because of Christmas. 
the Celtics and Prussians and Aztecs and Mayans all practiced human sacrifice. Why did they stop? Because of Christmas, Christ's Mass, Emmanuel, God with us. Sexual fidelity and respect for marriage was normalized in the Roman Empire and frankly throughout the entire West because of what? Christmas, Christ's Mass, Emmanuel, God with us, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Women were no longer considered mere property or chattel because of Christmas. Compassion for the sick and the dying during the great plagues of Europe took place because of what? Christmas, Christ's Mass, Emmanuel, God with us, joy to the world, the Lord has come, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Charity for the poor, for orphans, and for the old. This became expected during the Industrial Revolution because of what? Christmas, Christ's Mass, joy to the world, the Lord has come, Emmanuel, God with us, the babe born in a manger, for, un, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Christmas. This is the common thread. This is the common thread in all of these redemptive stories, these positive stories of things moving from bad to good, from corruption to redemption, from selfishness to selflessness, from narcissism, focus on self, self-worship, self-aggrandizement, to looking to a Savior and the worship of God, a God that's bigger than you and me. Hospitals and child labor laws, education and economic freedom, the dignity of labor and the civil rights movement, private property and racial equality were all established. All of this stuff is the result of what? Christmas, Christ's Mass, Emmanuel, God with us, joy to the world, the Lord has come, Noel, Noel, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Slavery was abolished, and the sanctity of human life was celebrated because of Christmas. Christmas changed the world. Uh, you, you can be a secularist. If you're an agnostic, an atheist, you have to admit that Christmas changed the world. The ancient book in Scripture written by one of Jesus' 12 apostles, Matthew, says this, His name shall be called Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This, this brief overview of history this, that I've just shared with you, that I, obviously I'm only spending a few minutes, a handful of minutes. I mean, books have been written on this. Volumes, libraries are filled with this. Filled with this, excuse me. Libraries are full of this. They're filled with this. These facts. A brief look back at history tells us that 
This is so true that he will save his people from their sins. Christmas not only saves us from our own sins, but the ideas and the acts, Thomas Cahill, of Christmas have saved us from the sins of millions of other people around us. Millions who prior to the birth of Christ would have ignored us, used us, oppressed us, enslaved us, and even killed us. Not only would they have done this, they did do it. We know, as Chesterton tells us, that the only empirical proof of Christian theology is the original sin, the evil of man, that who knows what darkness lurks in every human heart. I mean, prior to Christmas, oppression and slavery and murder and mayhem went unchecked in the halls of government and on the altar of God's. This story about this American Airlines attendant who said Merry Christmas and who was challenged by this secularist, I guess, or maybe a person of a different religion who was just annoyed with the season greeting of Merry Christmas. This story highlights why I included a chapter of, titled Merry Christmas in my book. Without Christmas, we're going to have a mess. When you secularize a culture, when you kill God, When you pretend that you can rise up and replace him, it doesn't end well. I mean, Jesus told his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. There's, there's a peace that comes from believing in something. Christ prepared his followers for what would come after his crucifixion by reminding them that what they believed in would help them endure the crisis and that the crisis was just a a snippet of time it was a snapshot it was a, it was just one frame in the movie if you will he asked them who do you say that i am in other words who do you believe in he, he said, you believe in God, believe also in me. And he said this before his crucifixion. He wanted them to believe what he was telling them, that he was not just a man, that he was Emmanuel, God with us. You believe in God, believe also in me. So my question for you today in these last few minutes is, do you believe? What do you believe in? Or maybe a better way to ask that, that question is, do you believe in Christmas? Christmas brings us back to a place where we're reminded of the hope, the hope of every generation. Again, I've said it a couple times, of peace on earth and goodwill toward men, of joy to the world, of silent night and holy night, of the first Noel. When you say Merry Christmas, you're not just 
expressing a pleasantry. You're expressing a worldview. I agree with the woman that was upset with this claim of Merry Christmas. If her point was that's not just a pleasantry, that's actually a religiously significant claim. I agree with that. It is. By saying Merry Christmas, you're exposing a belief system that is critical to who you are and who our culture at least was. I shared this with you in a previous show. You know, 2,000 years ago, the world was suffering. When Christ was born in the manger, the world was a dark place. He had civil unrest. It was rampant across the Middle East. Western civilization was crumbling under the weight of a morally decadent regime called Rome. Rome had the sword. Israel had stones. Fear was killing freedom and terrorism was defeating trust. Even in the midst of the peace of Rome, Pax Romana, there was this cloud of impending doom over everything. And we feel that way when we're looking at the news today, don't we? Whether you watch Fox or CNN, read the newspaper or listen to the radio or get your news via podcasts or Twitter or other social media. It doesn't matter. There's this uh, pervasive, disturbing, dark, and long winter that we seem to be experiencing. COVID just exposed it. We're all fearful. We all hunker in the corner. We want our safety. And we've forfeited our inheritance of goodness. We just want to shelter ourselves from all this bad news. Like C.S. Lewis told us in the Chronicles, it seems as if it's always winter, but never Christmas. Scandals and catastrophe and pornography and anger, resentment, vindictiveness, vice is the stuff of the daily headlines. But in the face of all this cold, wintry stuff, I want you to remember something. The cold night on the hills of Bethlehem long ago, where light all of a sudden shone from a star, and the shepherds were confronted on the hills of Bethlehem as the angels sang a new song. To paraphrase that song in the words of C.S. Lewis, do not be afraid cried Father Christmas. She has kept me out for a long time, but her magic is weakening. But this is actually what the angels did say in the Bible. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. And on that night, on that night, 2,000 years ago, 2,000 plus years ago, winter, the winter of sin began to melt away. And Christmas, Christmas sprang alive in a stable under the stars, and the human race was challenged to believe. Believe in something. Believe in what Jesus said. You believe in God, believe it also in me. We were challenged to believe in Christmas, Christ's Mass, the gathering, the meeting, the church, service, the coming together of the body, the Mass. Christ's Mass. 
So today, as we prepare for Christmas, consider the fact, the fact that it has changed the world and that you can believe in it. You can believe in this story in the Bible. It's not a fairy tale. It's not just a fabricated myth. It's a fact. It's a story that is true. It's not transient. It doesn't change. It's inspired. It's not constructed. It's accurate. It's not relative. It's a story that's not to be added to or subtracted from. It's a story that should be hidden in your heart and proclaimed with your mouth. This is a story that's given by inspiration and breathed by God himself. The story of Christmas, Christ's Mass, the greeting, Merry Christmas, is a greeting that is inerrant, infallible, authoritative. It comes from the written word of God. And this story, Christmas, this story should guide us in everything, in everything we do, in, in our faith, in the way we learn, in the way we live, in the way we act, in the way we speak, Christmas should be the governing ethos. You don't need to be governed by the desires of man. You can be transformed into the image of God. You can be born again. You don't have to be too easily satisfied with being born that way. You're not transed. You're transformed. That's the story of Christmas. You can believe in the Logos, the Word made flesh and dwelling among us. That that is revealed by God. And that that truth, that Logos, is attainable and immutable and constant. And that that truth is salvation to the damned and freedom to the slave. Believe in Christmas. It's Christ's Mass. It's not Buddha's Mass. It's not Muhammad's Mass. It's not Harry Krishna's Mass. It's not Pelosi's Mass or Biden's Mass. It's not your Mass or my Mass. It's Christ's Mass. And you can commercialize it, homogenize it, politicize it, and compromise it. But the bottom line is this. Christmas means something, and it means you can believe in the primacy of Jesus Christ, that he's the beginning and the end, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the world word made flesh and dwelling among us, Emmanuel, God with us, your Savior and your King, your Lord and your God. He's the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God, your Redeemer, your guide, your peace, your joy, your comfort, your life and your light. Believe that he is risen and incarnate, the Son of God, the Alpha and the Omega. Believe that he is who he said he is. I am, he said in the Gospel of John. Believe, believe in Christmas. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.